Hello, everybody. Turn this up in my headphones, Charles. Turning it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I am ready to talk (laughs) some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, and not just any fantasy today. Because today we are getting uh, revved up, getting psyched up for our upcoming First Law episode, uh, book episode, book discussion of Best Serve Cold. That is right. Best Serve Cold. You heard me. We're reading Abercrombie again. This is part of our journey to get through the Age of Madness in time for the Wisdom of Crowds in September. So we are trugging along that journey. We are about to discuss Best Serve Cold. But before we do that, we need to get mm-hmm. back in the headspace of the First Law world. And we decided what better way than to have our very own First Law only who would win. Yeah, that's exactly what we are doing today. Much like Revenge, a Best Serve Cold Buddy Read discussion episode is, oh man, I'm going to say Best Serve Cold. It didn't sound as good because I said the title. Anyway, (laughs) point being, we are going to give that to you down the road, but right now we're just talking about these first law characters from the original trilogy, and that means that if you've read through the blade itself before they are hanged and last argument of kings, then you've read enough to not have to worry about any spoilers in this one. But if you have not yet read the First Law original trilogy, then now is a good time to turn this down in your headphones so that you don't get that trilogy spoiled for you it's also a good time to go pick those books up because those are some of our absolute favorites so with no further ado charles shall we give a quick intro to what this first law character matchup who would win style episode actually will be like and then just get into these matchups yeah let's do it let's do it so normally with who would win we draw on characters from all the books that we've buddy read along with other characters in popular culture but this time around we're doing things a little bit differently we have 26 Mm -hmm. different characters featured in the first law trilogy put into our who would win uh, fantasy matchup uh, generator and we have tm Thank you. And we have all of our classic competitions. So these are all this is a who would win consisting entirely of, of first law characters and being able to get past the spoilers and get into spoiler territory. It's really going to open up the discussion for who would win. And I think this is just going to be uh, the way to do who would win going forward. I'm super excited might to be. give it a try. Yeah, super excited. Yeah, I'm with you, Charles. We've toyed with these who would win formats quite a bit. And I I like this one. I like the idea of being able to attend to a particular fan base and 
get into it without having to worry about not spoiling stuff. So, yeah, we've got I've got these scenarios, things like fist fights, elections, cook-offs, even rap battles are in the mix, and I'll randomly <laughs> select one using that generator technology while Charles randomly selects characters and we'll just improvise who we think would win those matchups. Yeah, let's That's do it. Well said. So, let's get the first one going, Dylan. What competition are we going to lead off our first law character matchups? That's a great question. Let's Wait. get that generator pumping. Beep, <laughs> boop, beep. It is a cook-off. That is where we're starting here, Charles. Oh, a cook-off. All right. So beep, boop, beep. Getting some names in the generator. All right. So we have two contenders here. Both are from the north. Both Ooh. named men. Oh. In one corner, he's campaigned with Logan Ninefingers quite a bit. And mm. he is none other than Tall Duru Thunderhead. Oh. And in the yeah. other corner, you might see him eyeing down Logan from the side oh. every once in a while. Not sure what <laughs> side he's going to land on. That's none other than... Oh, did it just get a little chilly in here? Nah, it's just call Shivers. <laughs> yeah, good old Shivers in the mix. I thought for a second you might be going black down with the eyeing up Logan. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no? Shivers makes a lot of sense there, too. And... He, yeah, he gets, uh, he's a, he's an interesting character. I think that I'm trying to just take a step back and think about if there's any sort of canon we have to go off of with Tolduru and Shivers. I think both being from the North, we get the sense that they're, they're street smart, really. They're Mm -hmm. out there. They probably both of them really know how to cook from a survivalist perspective as two named seasoned uh, folks. I don't think I remember either of them necessarily showing their cooking skills. Logan obviously no. shows his cooking skills, yes. but I don't know about yes. these two. I was going to say the only Northman that I know that has anything related to canon about cooking is Logan Ninefingers with his, with his good old cook pot that uh the only cook pot i ever shed a tear for was low yeah. was poor you poor didn't Logan. shed a tear charles <laughs> let's be honest i i felt very bad for that poor cook pot it deserved yes. better but uh, it did deserve better but that is the only canon cooking that i can remember for the for any of these northmen um yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards like, look, maybe uh, Thunderhead picked up some stuff traveling That's with Logan and that cook pot for a while. So why not give it to him? Uh, unless there was anything that we could pull from Call Shivers. But I don't know if there I, is. There's nothing that comes to mind for me about Shivers and cooking, at least to this point in the series. And I think that you got to give it to the more seasoned veteran in Tolduru then. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think that experience wins out here. I would agree. You know, I picture this cookout being like uh, an encampment before a battle or something. They've all got their little tents out in the woods and 
they've got the two different cook pots going over the fire and they're competing over like who's gonna cook the better gruel for the army and everyone's kind of giving them a hard time i mean i feel like armies eat almost exclusively gruel on the roads (laughs) it can't be that great (laughs) yeah i mean i it's it's pretty tough sitch if it's down to who is making the better gruel but i see how it gets to that point (laughs) i think that yeah, I think they'd be able to scrounge something together, but they're probably both used to this more like, how can I make something edible when we don't have a lot of supplies than they are really putting on those garnishings and making anything so great in a cook-off. So I get, I get where you're going with the yeah. cool. And, and then when you take these two characters out of their comfort zones, you know, Tolduru seems like a really level-headed guy, and Shiver seems like he could get kind of caught up in his in his own emotions or he'd start doubting himself a little bit. So I can see him getting a little more psyched out. Like I see like black Dow's talking smack, you know, from, from the sidelines and, and shivers is getting all like perturbed and maybe putting a little bit too much spice or something in this, in the, yeah, in the gruel and, and, uh, Tolduru's level head and experience and gives confidence. him the edge on this one. Eh? Yeah. I think Tolduru has so much confidence and bravado I think that, yeah, it's, I think we have a winner here, Charles. I, I let's get on to another let's matchup because I think the next one will be interesting. So I'm going to get that generous, <laughs> not to say that last one wasn't, but I, I hope let's just, come on, let's be honest. Like a cook off between Tolduru and Shavers wasn't exactly what you and I imagined when we put this together. <laughs> but anyway, Charles, I think the next one will be interesting because after I ran the generator, uh, the, the sound effects weren't working there. I got three-legged race charles so let's see okay so you're gonna pick two two teams of two yes and charles you'll do a masterful job as you always do explaining what a (laughs) three-legged race is all right well a three-legged race is when you have two people standing side by side the legs that are against Mm. each other are tied together and you try and run a race against other people tied up in a similar way and our first matchup, man, I, I feel I, I feel for this 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 duo here. Uh, <laughs> on one end we've got, you know, this this first duo consists of a Northman and a non Okay. The Northman being mm, perhaps two types of people in this only, world. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> this Northman happens to be one of the few who is able to go you know, shoulder to shoulder with Logan Nine Fingers, and that is Rudd Three Trees. Oh, so yes. Very Fantastic admirable leader. running op- opponent. And then tied with him in this race is, I mean, there's no other way to say it. It's the first of the Magi. It's Bias. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is not his first time in a three-legged race in one of these Who Would Win episodes. No. So. And then on the other corner... We have another Northman. This time, I would say it is, you know, one of the most famous Northmen in First Law. Mm. If you were to count his fingers, Dylan, I'd say you oh. only count nine. Logan Nine Fingers himself. Himself. In the mix. And wow. tied up with him is <laughs> one of the few female characters that we get in the First Law. And it happens to be one that 
I think always steals the show with every mm. scene that she's in. And this character is Artie. I knew, yeah, I thought you were going Artie when you said steals <laughs> the show. She's fantastic. It's an interesting matchup. And we do get a scene between Artie and Logan. And if I'm remembering correctly, they kind of like sit down next to each other and have this almost like fish out of water. They like relate to each other in a way that Artie yeah. seems to struggle to find people to relate to her. But Logan has that well, almost level head. To, well, you know, sometimes he doesn't. But when he's just interacting with people in a non-combat situation, he's so personable. So I think those two would have good chemistry based on their interaction. And that's an important part of a three-legged race. Yeah, being in sync is important. And Artie, I believe, has this ability to enter a conversation with someone at their level and be comfortable there you know she's very she can talk to anybody and can always make it fun and always like the person talking to her is always just kind of end, ends the conversation being like what just happened <laughs> yeah a little like they to, they're like, a little I don't know on if I was their back foot the whole <laughs> time yes exactly yeah. <laughs> i yeah. don't know if we've ever had a canon moment between three trees and bias though <laughs> No, that would be interesting. It's probably you could make the case for Three Trees as the one of the most noble, if not the most noble character in terms of his just having a code and trying to do the right thing and really following through in these really bad situations, like making the best out of really awful circumstances. And I think that he's tied up with probably the worst person in the <laughs> entire trilogy, just an absolute maniacal villain in Baez. And it's so nice to be able to say that on one of these who would win episodes, <laughs> just, just call right. Baez what he and is. And now, you know what I can say now also is uh, what comes to my mind when I'm trying to pick who would win here is never bet against a Magi. Never bet against a Magi. Never. Or, yeah, Baez isn't going to lose singular. to anybody for anything. I just don't see it happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, what we have seen is that when it came to the the contest, Baez was able to use some sort of his craft to be able to completely ch- cheat yeah. on behalf of of Jazal, uh, you know, unwittingly for Jazal, right. who had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and you have to think, yeah, poor Jazal. <laughs> you have to think that no matter how good in sync Artie and Logan are during that race, Baez, if he's able to cheat to make Jazal artificially even better at at fencing to be able to defeat someone like Bremer Dan Gorst, <laughs> then you have to think that Baez would be able to use that same kind of craft to get him and someone as athletic, even if he's probably a low past his prime run mm. three trees, still very athletic dude to get them to the point where they could win this. Yeah. Charles, you and I, if we've learned one thing, like you said, say one thing for you and I, Charles, <laughs> we would never bet against the mages oh, never, and never. we won't hear. Yeah, certainly not. I I'm happy there. I think we did it. Yeah. Sorry, Logan getting ousted. Sorry, Logan. Yeah, Logan and Baez, two big names in that one. 
Yeah. All right. Shall we get the next one pumping? Let's do it. All right. Beep, boop, beep. We've got a rap battle here, Charles. I'm excited to see which first law <laughs> characters. Oh, okay. This, I'm oh glad. Oh, my God. This that. is going to be the worst rap battle in history. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that we had me against Boromir this in another episode. This be, is worse. This is going to be like, how would this situation even happen? <laughs> because. Okay. Okay, on one hand, you have another magical being, but it's not biased. <laughs> Is it Carib? Yes. The, the it's witch? Carib the witch. And now I was Dil- like, there aren't a lot of magical beings. Why is she rapping? <laughs> now, Dylan, if you had to pick a character from the first law who's probably least capable of rapping, I think this Ooh. character would come to your mind very quickly if you thought about oh, it. Oh, Harding Grimm? Is it Harding Grimm? Oh, that would have been great, but this is maybe second after Harding okay. Grimm. And Harding Grimm, I actually kind of feel like it could be one of those moments with him where it's like, <laughs> this guy, there's no way he can rap. Like, he's he's just gonna step up here and like, he, he, he never even says anything and then he would just drop a huge verse and smoke <laughs> whoever he's going against because there's like that eulogy moment. I can moment. see that coming. That if, it, would, if it was yeah, Grimm and Grimm, I would have voted for oh, <laughs> me too because he has <laughs> those moments the scenario. he doesn't speak unless it's prudent and then he drops mad bombs which yeah. is why i would have voted for grim but it's not grim uh okay this person is grim in many ways though you might find him you know in the underground helping glock to execute you know, execute uh, interrogations uh, as a practical. Oh, no, practical frost. Yes, practical frost. (laughs) Which I don't know, for all you audiobook (laughs) listeners out there, Stephen Pacey's voice for frost is like, he frost barely speaks. He's like, I don't know, it's just me going around, I'm frost. (laughs) Like frost barely speaks. He only like oh, parrots yeah. Glockta's like the last word in Glockta's <laughs> sentence, you know. It's like it would it's make you very current. uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. It's gotta be <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be Karib. Yeah, Dude, I mean, it can't be. It Frost. would be hilarious to try to watch Frost rap, uh, but yeah, he's definite. I think you're right in saying he's the most ill-equipped of any character to actually drop some serious rhymes here. So. Yep. Right. I I think it's got to be Kara because she has, she's almost got a mellifluous way of speaking, especially the way that Pacey Mm. performs her in the audio book. It's true. So she's kind of got this timber to her voice and and i don't know she'd probably put everyone in a trance where they think she's doing amazing and she probably wouldn't even have to do that because frost would be so bad so yeah it's i think it's not even close i would agree completely if frost can't win this it's just not possible (laughs) (laughs) all right well it sounds like we're in agreement there shall we get it pumping again let's get it pumping all right. Uh, oh, Charles, this is. I'm glad to see a battle royale oh. with four people. You're going to pick four people here, Charles. All right. Well, let's get the first person out here. And this person is one of our POV characters. And it is also one that we had 
we have done a character study on very recently. Ooh. This is someone who is always on the search for vengeance. Someone mm. who has a bit of demon blood in her. Someone who's she does. never backing down from a fight. And that is Pharaoh Maljin. Mm. On the other hand... She's going to be a tough out here. She's going to be a tough one to beat. And I do not envy this person's position. They have... They are a Northman themselves. They have ridden along with some of the great Slogan Nine Fingers, Tall Duru, Thunderhead, uh, Rudd Three Trees, Named Men All. But this one is named for oh, a no. bit of a different reason and perhaps <laughs> might be is. in a bit of trouble this time around. <laughs> and that is Forley the Weakest. Oh, no, not Forley the Weakest. <laughs> so he's going to have a hard time in a Battle Royale situation. <laughs> oh, that's a tough sitch for Forley here. Yeah. He's always getting the bad bad end of the stick here. That's absolutely correct. This is another uh female character who's not one to back down from a fight, has a very tough exterior, always ready to hold up her own and defend herself and uh her her well being, and that is Shiloh Vitari. Practical mm. Vitari who uh, is a pretty yeah. formidable uh, fighter herself. Yeah. And then we have a strategic, I would do, I don't know, mastermind might be generous, but he is definitely at one point uh, the Lord Marshal of the Army of the Union. Uh, but yeah, perhaps mastermind's it, generous. <laughs> but perhaps his greatest enemy was his damn indigestion. Yeah. And that's Lord Marshal Burr. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so yeah. to recap we have pharaoh weakest lord marshal burr and vitari in a battle royale <laughs> forley the weakest <laughs> like weakest yes so this i mean obviously burr and forley are gone instantly <laughs> yeah. it's a tough sitch and yeah. then i mean vitari burr... and pharaoh you get the. I, I'm trying to think if Burr has some sort of history, maybe even winning the contest. Sorry if I'm wrong about that one, but like some sort of history of being a good fighter. But he he is at this point in his career where he, the indigestion's just keeping him down. <laughs> Damn I mean, this indigestion. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a tough one. I think and. What's interesting to think about is Pharaoh might actually show some mercy on a Forley type, even though we talked about this a lot in our character profile of Pharaoh, is she's always talking and thinking to herself about how she's she's down to kill people and she doesn't care about people and all this kind of stuff. But deep down, when pressed with someone helpless, like when she had Glockta helpless and at her mercy... She let him go. And same thing with Severard. So I don't think Pharaoh actually would have it in her to kill Forley unless she saw him as an actual threat to her Meanwhile, life. Meanwhile, Vitari would have happening. no problem Vitari killing would do Forley. It. Though, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. this is a battle royale. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. We can't no, survive. That's a good voice. Yeah. 
Yeah, that Pacey would be proud, I think. Well, it's, it's all what I get from listening to Pacey, which is how yeah. I most enjoy experiencing Abercrombie's work here in the first <laughs> Law series. So, um, Vitari has like an edge to her voice when Stephen yeah. Pacey does her. So, Vitari would have no problem like throwing a dagger or a shuriken or whatever oh, yeah. they use as projectiles, as practicals at, at Forley the Weakest and and killing him right away. Uh, mm. Burr would be like hiding in a corner somewhere being like damn this indigestion <laughs> I, I would be defeating Vitar if it wasn't for my indigestion <laughs> yeah so yeah I'm trying to think how this plays out I think that I think Pharaoh probably wouldn't have issue killing someone like Burr so I, she might just throw, put an arrow through him at the start honestly she's great with the with the bow she's so I think with the bow yeah, so unfortunately for Burr, and at this point it's probably out of his misery, let's be <laughs> honest, with his damned indigestion. So he's he's out. And then we're in this situation, I think, where we've got Forley just like trying not to piss himself, <laughs> surrounded by Vitari and Pharaoh. And I feel like Vitari wouldn't want to spend... Yeah, you don't want to be in Forley's shoes here. But Vitari probably wouldn't want to spend her time... She'd, like, choke out. uh, (laughs) That's that's kind of her way of doing it with... Is it, like, a whip or something that she has? Or she, like, chokes people out? She does it to Carla at one point. Um, Yeah, uh, she she uses several different methods. I can't remember what she used on Carla, but it was kind of like a wire or a choke situation. Yeah, something like that. Something to choke her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But I feel like she wouldn't want to spend the time, like, focused on Forley because as soon as she did that, Pharaoh would would go after her. So, I don't know. What do you think happens when it's down to those three? I mean, it's tough because both pharaoh and vitari actually were able to like hold their own and survive in a skirmish yeah. with logan nine fingers so they're both proven warriors and vitari's i believe it's a cross-shaped blade on a chain uh, oh, gotcha. is her is her weapon of choice uh and arch lector salt describes her as being colder than snow so there you go she yeah. is tough. She's she's uh, a survivor too. Yeah, that's she's the just, thing. Yeah. But so is Pharaoh, and I yeah. think it just comes down to this this Pharaoh? demon blood uh, yeah. element to it that gives Pharaoh an edge. But Vitari is, I think, more cold and yeah. Machiavellian in her decision choices I agree. than Pharaoh is, which in certain uh, simulations might give her the edge but i think more often than not you got to give it to pharaoh i think so too i vitari is interesting through the lens of someone who wants to i think the way i differentiate them with the like survivalist thing is like pharaoh i feel like would be kind of fine just throwing herself in the mix and if she dies she dies like but vitari right. has more to live for she has you know yeah. she's a mother that's true and that's a big thing mm-hmm. that it's not she's one of those characters that i think is a very interesting d- depiction of a mother we've talked about these before with characters like alana from saga charles that you right. like mm-hmm. a lot it's just like 
a mother where that's just part of who she is. And it, of course, dictates her motivations, but it's not by any means the only thing that defines her. Right. But I think she'd be doing whatever she could to get out of this alive and even if it took, like, because she's begged before to, like, Glockta and things like that, mm-hmm. I think she'd be willing to even forfeit before uh, before being killed if it yeah, came to that. Well, Pharaoh would not forfeit. forfeiting was an option in a battle royale. But oh, so you're just like, leave. no. Okay. <laughs> I'll give it to Pharaoh. I mean, I don't, yeah. Look, I, I don't think know about. I think there's certain scenarios, you know, like in, um, in like Marvel or Doctor Strange, it's like there's all these situations and, and we win yeah. in only one. Or it's like, okay, there's some <laughs> situations in in which Vitari would win. There's some multiverses out there, but I feel like most of them are, are going to Pharaoh. And that's really... I agree. And I really just think she just has these supernatural abilities about her. She has enhanced vision. She doesn't feel pain. She's got a lot of stamina. She, you know... All of these things that would give her a huge edge in a combat battle royale situation where even if as formidable of a warrior as Vitari is, uh, they just can't stand yeah. sometimes. Like Vitari's only hope is to outmaneuver Pharaoh quickly. Uh, that's really her only hope. Yeah. And- Pharaoh's not and really the kind Pharaoh's of person to let very that quick. So yeah. 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 yeah, no, I give it to Pharaoh. It would be interesting to see if Pharaoh had it in her to to end Forley the weakest after that, but <laughs> Yeah, that's neither here nor there. She would be the 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 odds on favorite to win in the battle royale. Yes. Fair. All right. Yeah. Shall we Let's... get the next the next scenario going? Beep boop beep. Yeah. I... I'll get that pump in. Beep, boop, beep. It's an election, Charles. Oh. And we know <laughs> we have seen actual elections in the first law. I, yeah, we'll we see have. who's involved in this and one. And one of these characters has actually won, I oh. guess, what you would consider an election. This is someone oh. who, you know, when it came time to choose a new chief, it could only be oh. him. It, not quite an election. Not quite an election. It it couldn't be Black Dow. It couldn't be Thunderhead. It no. had to be the Dog Man. Yeah. Yeah. Man of the people. Don't want to do him man. dirty. You don't want to do him dirty. Not not by any means. Then mm-hmm. on the other side, you have someone who you might not always think of as a leader. This is someone who spent most of his time getting carried by others, literally. And serving under others, literally, and ultimately was uh, eaten and their body was occupied by someone else. And this is Malicus Kwai. It's got to be the dog, man. It's got to be. There's just nothing about Malicus Kwai that would make anyone want to vote for for Kwai. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Why would it? What are you seeing in Kwai? He's not even good at being a an apprentice i feel like when he is alive and yeah. has not been eaten yet it's just like he's getting all the plants wrong when bias is asking him stuff and it's like there's a guy who's not even prepared to answer questions that are relevant to his role what about when they start asking about foreign policy it's like right. this guy's not gonna know what's going on the dog man at least but Kwai. the thing about Kwai too is he he i feel like would try to pretend he knows mm. and then you end up looking worse than the dog man who just be like, let's be level with you here. I don't know what's going on, 
but I'll try really hard and, and I'll do him. my best. And the people love him. He won. He, you know, he won an election of sorts for us, Charles, on Twitter. When we, yeah, it's <laughs> true. He did. So and that was over people. like Chazal and Pharaoh yeah. and Wes. He, he beat them all. And yeah, he, when we so put that could... Twitter poll up, the dog man took like, what was it, 45% of the vote when there oh, were four options, and one of them was Jazal, like who gets way more page time. Yes. And yeah, it's yeah. it's got to go dog man. He's it's such a likable guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a man of the people. He's very likable. Ideal candidate for an election, too. And election's important. It's not, like, most likely to overthrow a government and become a dictator. It's like, no, this is most likely to be voted by his peers. And I can't think of someone that embodies that more in the first law than the dogman. Well said, Charles. Let's get the generator. Malchus Kwai. <laughs> Not a lot of contests we would pick Kwai to, It's like the only time Kwai would have a chance is against like Forley the weakest. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> or maybe against right. Frost in a rap battle. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he would probably beat Frost in a rap battle. <laughs> okay, Charles, here we've got a serious one with a duel with weapons. Well, oh. it could be serious assuming we have... This Any... is very serious. This is okay. deadly serious because we have two hardened warriors that are leaders of men and also just the toughest guys around. And mm. the first one was the first to crown himself the king of the north. We have Bethod. Oh, well, yeah, well, Bethod's not a great fighter. There's a reason Logan was doing his fighting for him. That's But he's a leader of men. That's an election candidate for sure. But let's yeah, see who's he up but against. I think the dogman's more electable. The Bethod's kind of scary. <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's neither here nor there. But <laughs> Anyway, we're talking about a fight yeah. with weapons. And you bring up a good point, Dylan, because this character is a proven fighter who did go toe-to-toe with Logan. He may have lost, but you know what? He, you could say he won in the end, and that is Black Dow. Oh, Black Dow would wreck Bethod, Charles. It's yeah. a shame for, yeah. It's, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, is. I would give it to Black Dow, too, but I don't know if I would have made it as, like, definitive. As- There's, well, the, what evidence do you have of Bethod being a good fighter? I think it's, like, pretty. I think it's explicitly said at times that Bethod like is not a fighter. He's a thinker, basically. And even if it's not explicitly said, which which I do think it is, it's there's just no there's nothing to draw from with Bethod being a fighter. Yes, Logan did all his fighting yeah. for him. I, I like and to Black think Dow that it's because I think fighter. Bethod was an imposing figure, and you know, his sons are imposing figures yeah. as well. Well, scale but he is. just chose to. Uh, uh what's it called uh you know let other people fight for him he he chose to yeah. delegate that responsibility because he's the king you know which which you can put some respect on but yeah you're right black dow is such a proven fighter and and he's a really deadly guy so i wouldn't want to go against him in a fight with weapons there's very few people that could take I black mean- dow so and if nothing else charles what we can draw from is the fact that Logan even bloody and battered from his his encounter with Fenris the feared while Bethod was yelling at him 
like Logan just walked up and smashed Bethod's head in with no resistance. Like if this guy was a fr- was a f- actual fighter and was fresh while Logan was all just messed up from this fight, then Bethod would have had a shot to actually resist. Right. And you know Black Dow from his fight with Logan, which is backstory really put up a great fight against Logan. So yeah, yep. I think it's not even close. Black Dow it is. I agree. Yeah, not a lot can compete with him. No, definitely not. Yeah. Let's get that generator pumping again. Beep, boop, beep. And we have chess, Charles. A chess match Oh, see, this one is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, We have two clever minds entering the arena today for this chess match. On one hand, he's he's been all over the world. He's had his fingers in all kinds of adventures, often on both sides. I'm talking about oh. the famed soldier of fortune, yes, Nikomo Koska. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> on Dude, the other so side, good. this is a proven tacticianer. Uh, a proven user of logic and manipulation mm. and political intrigue. He oh. worked his way up from practical to basically oh. uh, the will of Baez. I am talking Sh- about Glockta. Oh, wow. Okay, well, early favorite in chess for just about anyone except maybe I, Baez would probably be the like number one chess player of all of it, but uh, next up is probably Glockta. So like he's my early favorite here, but Casca I think would have some flourish. He'd <laughs> underplay his like he'd make Glockta think he didn't know the rules. He would be acting like he's all drunk, but we don't know how drunk he actually is or is is like you just have no idea what is coming when you're going up against Nikomo Casca in anything. The man is unpredictable from <laughs> the outside so and it would be a fun it would think like, he'd be so funny dude he's so great yeah this would Costco. be a fun little scene here of the two of these people sharing ideals over a chess match and i could see it ending where Casca sneakily like gets the yeah i could too. Way out you know and he's like oh by the way checkmate and it's yeah block is like what <laughs> Yes. And now if you excuse like, me, I'll have to take a piss. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. that's how I see it going, you know? Which- I could see that too. <laughs> yeah, no, I imagine this idea that it's like, like, I could imagine the two of them sitting down in some sort of interaction where, and they had a lot of these interactions, not over a chessboard, but uh, an interaction where Glockta's like, I need you on my side. I'll pay you more, this kind of stuff. And they're having these musings, and and Casca loves to wax philosophical about his <laughs> like his theories about honor and all this kind of stuff. And and he, we know what Casca thinks of honor doesn't have yeah. a lot of worth to him, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And it's kind of like you'd be in Glockta's POV. And he's kind of not actually thinking about the chess match. Like he's thinking about trying to get Casca to his side. And he thinks Casca isn't thinking about the chess match either. It's just something to like play around with while they're talking and Glock just trying to bring him over to his side. And then we get that sneaky moment where it's like, and he thinks Casca's just so drunk that he's not even knowing what he's doing. But we get that moment where Casca gives that checkmate and then like explains to 
glocked uh, that he like pulled some move that he'd read <laughs> like he'd read up on in some sort of like strategy uh, i mean because he's like well read someone is another showed him in a faraway yeah, land exactly. you know it's or like, who knows oh, yeah i met the person who invented this move yes dinner in syria sure. like you're like what <laughs> and he's like <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I that's that true or not, but okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but just... either way, he's he's been checkmated, and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Casca, don't underestimate him. That's, no, that's I would a say they're thing. two of the like most clever minds in the first yeah. law, and Casca is someone who is willing to play into a narrative just yes. to big brain strategy something else and he always kind of ends up on top and he always has like a good sense of humor about it to the point where you can never tell like who this guy is so i don't know i'm in a good i'm in a good mood today with uh with casca i just i want casca to win is where i think i'm coming from from that dr strange perspective i think it's like 80 percent of the time you would think Glockta probably wins. But I think because I'm so entertained by that idea you you posed of him kind of like checkmating him and then like being like, well, got to go take a piss. That <laughs> thing is, I, I just love that so much. And I'll say that we're picking that this is one of those 20% times where <laughs> Casca wins it in this kind of uh, pretending to be less than he is fashion and tricking Glockta. Just because just it'd be so funny to <laughs> watch that scene play out. And Glockta hates losing. <laughs> so he'd be so frustrated yeah. and being in his... Because for all for it would be great. Glockta is like a mastermind in a lot yes. of ways. So you'd think yeah. he just is like one of the best chess players in the first law. And if he was going to lose to somebody, I, this would be <laughs> the most entertaining of all of yes. his defeats would be <laughs> would be with Casca. So I'm willing to believe we live in the multiverse in which Casca sure. defeats Glockta. Yes, it's, I'm willing it's to believe one of those it too because I want to. Exactly. And that's a, yeah. <laughs> it's our show. <laughs> it's our show. We can pick whatever we want. Yeah. So, yeah, you're welcome to, you're, you're welcome to disagree because it's, pro- you're probably right. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like in the true Casca spirit, we're not going to let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's and right. a good story is one where Casca pulls out the W. Well said. Uh, should we do a couple more? One more? Let's see how we go. Let's see how we're feeling. Sure. Yeah. Let's see what happens. All right. Let's keep it rolling. All right. We've got a podcast duo, Charles. Oh, this is exciting. That, so, yes. We're going to pick two groups <laughs> of two and see oh, who we... Oh, no, Charles. I picked no, them already. <laughs> I don't know if I would give either of these a listen, but... um... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We're going to try anyway. So the first podcast, we have a duo who both are from the union. They both had participated in the tournament at one stage or the another. Contest. The contest, yes, thank you. The contest mm-hmm. at, at one uh, stage or another. Uh, the first being Colum Wes himself, <laughs> POV character, rising that up the ranks is. all the way to the Lord Marshal status. 
And then yep. on the other end, we have uh, Bremer Dan Gorst. Who, Bremer. Bremer Dan Gorst, thank yes. you, who went up against Chazal in the tournament and in, for all intents and purposes should have won were it not yeah. for Baez's uh, magical <laughs> interference. Not a not a number one choice for podcaster. No. Bremer Dan doesn't have the voice for it, first off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in you know, canon, not... his voice is like uncharacteristically high-pitched and squeaky. Yeah. Yes. And... Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, I guess in this Bremer. podcast they would just both complain about Giselle the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is that Bremer I mean, you remember what happened with Bremer after he lost? He just like lifted Giselle into the air and he, he was a good seemed, sport. Yes, he was a good sport. I mean, internally, we don't know uh at this point what might or might not have been going on for him, but I'll say that he seems to be externally able to put on this, like, I- I'm a good sport about it. So I don't think he'd really be up for complaining about the king of the union. Um, and <laughs> Colm probably wouldn't. Colm doesn't hold back, especially when he when he gets furious. But Oh, that's true. But let's yes. get into our other duo now. Uh, what's interesting about this duo is they're both kind of they're kind of like the followers but when they do speak it kind of catches you by surprise the first being don't tell me harding grim is in <laughs> how so did you know it's see this is why it's rant it's a bummer or sometimes doing the random and sometimes it's great because we get we get glocta against Casca and chess <laughs> now is fantastic. We have to have, but now like, we have Harding Grimm as the a Grimm podcaster. Cast. Yeah. And then <laughs> his co-host is one who has served with uh Frost and has served with Glock the well. Oh. Uh, if you were to, the one thing that he was worrying about when he was going up against Pharaoh was his birds. And his that birds. is Severard. Severard yeah. and Grimm together as a podcast i hmm severard is an interesting character in some ways he's he's got silver tongue you can kind of tell he knows he knows how to talk he's kind of slick yeah he's a bit entrepreneurial yeah yeah he's he likes birds (laughs) that you that we're aware of yeah i mean grim I don't know. Who knows? Because Grimm's so good at rising to the occasion, like we've said. Like, oh, you've got to give a eulogy? He's going to kill it. Yeah. And then maybe he's the kind of guy where if it's like he really wanted to do a podcast and he was committed to it, you put the mic in front of him and you're like, this guy has so many interesting (laughs) things to say. Yeah, that's true. For me, like, who would I want to hear from more it's like i gotta hear what grim has to yeah, say i agree I'm sure like 99 percent of the podcast ever i'd be like don't you just love birds and grim would be like dude ah, you're over it ah. <laughs> but then it's <laughs> true but then <laughs> not the bird i think you overestimate severard's like desire to talk about his birds the like bird he doesn't moment talk. just is a standout yes. for me for several it is so i can't, you can't but, forget but part of why it's a standout is that he it comes out of nowhere because he hadn't been talking <laughs> about his birds. And it's kind of this like it's an interesting moment of like what like what keeps people going and 
how do people find purpose? It's like Severard this whole time, like the thing that has kept him going is his birds and there's a reason to live is his birds. So it's this interesting moment, but he wouldn't, I don't, I think that those are like for him. It's like, that's his own little thing. He doesn't want to share that with the world. <laughs> he'd be talking about like, he'd be one of those podcasters that's like t- telling you how you can get rich quick and oh, things yeah. like that. That's what he'd want to talk about. And yeah, you're right. Grim would just be, like grunting a lot of the time. But when Grimm talks, we listen. We're listening. That's right. And then on the other hand, I feel like Colm West is way too buttoned up to uh, <laughs> be able to put on a show. You know, I, I think he's too concerned about his image and his station. Like, how would this affect my job <laughs> in the <laughs> army? <laughs> yeah. That he, he wouldn't be able to loosen up enough to to let the conversation flow. And it's well, like you said, G- Gorst Cannon, not a voice that you would like think would be well suited for podcasting. Here's what I'm thinking, Charles. Mm-hmm. A big part of podcasting is is figuring out what your niche is and what you can offer, I think. And the benefit of the Gorst and West cast is that they could just make oh, it about fencing. They yeah. could just make it about, like, here's how you train for the contest. We're two people who, one of us is a finalist, even though, like, Gorst was better than west ever was i i would bet um by a long shot uh, based on some some information we have um yeah so it'd be literally just so they had to get his his competitor yeah on the show exactly so then it's like literally like i think you and i think about podcasts a lot of times as we're just trying to like entertain and have fun and that's not what we'd necessarily think about with gorst and west but those two would have a lot of knowledge to offer for these young training fighters who want to enter the contest. And I think that I think they'd have to be the better podcast duo because that would actually be a very successful podcast in the, in the union. I think, I think you nailed it. I hadn't considered that, but you're a hundred percent right. These two are perfectly suited for a podcast about, the contest and sword fighting and everyone loves the contest everyone would tune in to get their perspectives and they could even do like a broadcast of the contest and they could narrate yeah. it you know they, Ooh, they commentators they could be commentators exactly oh, I'm, right i'm liking this yeah it's like who are you liking for the next contest gorst well, I'm liking <laughs> this, this this guy because he's got a really heavy sword, and I think that's great. <laughs> it's because he's canon, got a high voice. And then most would be like, I agree. And you know what? His voice might be unusual, but sometimes that can give you the edge. It helps you stand out. It's like, oh, that voice is very unique. It's very gorgeous. We, like, yeah. <laughs> we got a compliment from the great Sandra Gibbons, uh, booktuber extraordinaire on Twitter, today that called our voices distinct charles oh uh, yeah okay. and i i told her it was probably the first time anyone's ever complimented my voice <laughs> i mean <laughs> she's very nice yeah that was a very nice thing to say <laughs> we appreciate that distinct. yeah yes distinct she meant it as a cop no she said like that she said something more explicitly a compliment as well um and 
yes thank you sandra and thank you, sandra. uh yeah some people I would don't say have the yeah gorse voice yeah. is distinct gorse as voice well. distinct mm-hmm. like i yeah. think that's great and although i would really want to listen to what hard and grim has to say i think you got it like that 90% dead air, uh, plus the fact that these two don't have this common interest, and this niche is just so good because people love the contest. I'd, I, I'd back that horse. I, I'm willing to go Gorst West. You, yeah. you, oh, you, yeah. uh, you convinced me. Yeah, it's got to be them. Got you got a name idea, Charles? Um, let's think for a second. Name idea. You have Bre- uh, Bremer Dan and Colin it could West. be like you know they're always saying that west is first through the breach that's like the big first through the breach of Oriok. could be yeah. like the uh, like through the breach with column west <laughs> i don't know but it doesn't it doesn't give gorst his due but uh i don't know right something with the they contest could just call it i mean west might get like really just generic name like um contest commentary podcast the ccp or something like that or like contest theory or something like that yeah they probably like something not exciting something like yeah very deliberate like uh oh welcome to like friends uh, talking fantasy yeah friends talking fencing ftf oh yes (laughs) nailed it charles i love it yeah that would be the friends talking fencing yeah that's beautiful. Well done, Charles. <laughs> Thank I, you. Thank you. <laughs> I am. Uh, I would be clapping if it wouldn't sound weird in the microphone. But Thank you. I'm I proud of you for it. that one. Thank FTF, you. friends FTF. talking fencing. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad that we got there with the thought process of like, yeah, it would be the most uninspired, boring thing ever. Like our show. <laughs> like, oh, like our name. <laughs> Every Charles, every time we come up with this podcast duo thing, it becomes like, uh, what's a good name? Well, our name sucks. Yeah. <laughs> At least it's descriptive. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we are. Yeah, exactly. And you'll know what this show is. It's friends talking fencing. I'd, I'd tune in, get some get some tips. Yeah, I would tune in. Well, I don't know if I, but it it would find its audience and that's what matters. Yeah, it, it could be a show kind of like um kind of like Riding Fighting with Christian Cameron where he does the yes. sword, he does like the sword techniques and everything yes. like that Christian Cameron a fantasy Definitely. author who also goes onto YouTube to to demonstrate sword techniques. Uh, that could be something that they do and they're like they could be sparring partners like this technique yeah. was used in the contest two years ago against this character this is how we won and how we won and like do the demonstration like that could be fun yes those are always really fun to watch and and yeah the fantasy fans probably know him under the the pen name uh, miles cameron he did like the Red Knight and stuff. So he's, yeah. But Christian Cameron making those amazing writing, writing, fighting videos, and he, you can check those out on on Twitter if you. He's at Fokion One with a P H P H O K I O N One and. They're really cool. Yeah, they're, like I like them because they're like you can, they're, they're yeah. short and they're techniques that I had never considered. Like I never thought to grab the sword like 
with your hands. That's like, like a very common technique. I was like, Ew, I never thought to like. You didn't learn touch from land. <laughs> Sometimes you have to sheathe the sword. Charles. Well, that's land from different the wheel than time. sheathing the sword, <laughs> running it through your own body <laughs> is different from just grabbing it when it's close to you and keep moving it out of the way, which makes a whole lot of sense. So, yes. I, I don't think uh, Christian Cameron would be a proponent of the sheathing that. the sword movement. Yes, well, <laughs> in, if an, if it's in an actual sheath, I think yeah, he would uh, be okay with it. But be... he knows his stuff. I don't think he'd be telling anyone to stab themselves with the sword. So, yeah, I, I've yet to see that video, and I don't think it's coming anytime <laughs> soon. But if you do want to learn <laughs> how to write fighting or, like, watch these awesome videos like watch Definitely real techniques yeah. that aren't yes. stabbing yourself uh check out writing fighting <laughs> i can't stop taking your shots at land from real time <laughs> over there charles i know i know and right after sandra complimented us and everything i just i know she says something nice and then you attack one of her favorite characters <laughs> nothing but... wrong with land okay you brought it up not me <laughs> That is true. Well, uh, now that we've officially gone off the rails, I think that ending on the Friends Talking Fencing podcast duo victory with Colm West and Bremer Dan Corp yeah. is, is I, yeah, I don't think we yeah, can, can go up from there. Uh, so let's being like, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Colm would be down to to engage in the silliness that I, that I'm doing. Or really, Bremer. Bremer would be playing it straight with that. Yeah, Wes would be like, turn that down in my in my headphones. That's too loud. It's too loud, yeah. <laughs> be like, hello, everybody. We're here. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fencing Podcast. Would not call it very exciting. There's no way. It would, it would just be an episode of the Friends Talking Fencing Podcast. Like, I'm ready to talk some fencing with my friend. <laughs> it's like, okay. okay. And Gorse would start getting on his nerves a little bit and was like, can you just stop for two seconds so we could talk about fencing, please? It's like, <laughs> your voice like, is annoying me. Yeah. I'm trying to talk fencing here and you're over there squeaking. Yeah. It's like, uh oh, God. <laughs> Don't go furious on us here, yeah. Colm. I know, I know the train wreck, but that's like the drama of it would be. That's so, gold. That's gold. Right. It's like, yeah. up. Oh, Wes is having one of his fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think Gorst would be a good sport about it, you know, like sometimes getting him riled up on purpose and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't think he would do that. I don't think he has the. Uh, who knows? Who knows what Gorst We don't would know do. much about Gorst. We, yeah, but... Not to this point, Charles. Oh, he comes back? Uh, well, I, I don't want to spoil I it. Read I, mean, I don't further. know what counts as a sp- what counts as a spoiler or what doesn't. So I'm just trying to be super cryptic. Uh, yeah, Charles, you haven't read. You'll be my guide as to if you feel anything is spoiled. But I think I think I feel safe by saying we, we're not yeah, done with we don't, Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, he's, you know, he ends the trilogy still alive. And you might not. And he's he's Jazal's bodyguard, I believe, at the time of the end of the trilogy. So you might not be surprised if at some point Gorse does come up again. So I don't know. I'll talk to you off the air, Charles, about what does or doesn't count as a spoiler in the future about well, this. Well, that's but... interesting. Potentially more Gorse canon 
in the future uh, yes. to look forward to. And I'm excited for that. But in the meantime, I think, you, like you said, this show's gotten a little bit off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'm happy with ending it on the Friends Talking Fencing podcast. Yeah, I, I think like that's that. great. And I think we've done it. Um, shout out to Jazal uh, Dan Luther, the one character that didn't make it <laughs> from our. Wait, literally? Like well, you, every other character? No, there's four characters from our list that didn't make it, but the others are Fenris Defeared, Carla Den okay. Eider, and Prince Lajeslat. Now, Jazal and Prince Lajeslat <laughs> together, that would be an interesting duo. A podcast? <laughs> yeah. It depends, like, which point in the series Jazal. Yeah, it, I like to I think, think it's Jazal like... would start to. He would be to Prince Lajeslat what, like, Logan is to Jazal. You know, mm. he'd be the one that was like, you know, in my experience, it's best to be a little more humble about these things. And I just thought it's like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> Why is he talking to me? Like, you know, like yeah. the full circle thing. But yeah, it's I a could bit see that. Disconnect. Like, it's the blind leading the blind this time, though. Or, you know, it could be funny. But I could see that. I was thinking. If it was near the start of the series, they could talk about like fashion trends in the union, which is <laughs> something very fluff. Oh yeah, like who's has the bet like chin rankings of all the noblemen? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, something like they that. would be down to do that. Although it'd be tough because they'd both probably be thinking themselves first. And right, they'd probably be like not counting us because we have the best chin. So I don't think they would. I don't think they would want to be excluded in that conversation. Yeah. I think they would want to be front and center, especially Jazal. Yeah, so it would just be the them chin, complimenting the their chin own chins for an hour. Yes. <laughs> I think it'd probably devolve into an argument between the two of them as to which of them has the better chin. Hmm. But And everyone else would, would probably be irrelevant to the conversation right. as far as they go. But people would still download it because oh, yeah, royalty and... It's like this failing upwards thing <laughs> that oh yeah that Abercrombie likes to write sometimes. So <laughs> I could see that. Yes, and I think people that's the thing. If it was early on and it was like fashion trends in the union, people would want to know what Prince Ladislaw and Jazal Dan Luther are talking about when it comes to those oh, fashion yeah. trends. I mean, just I mean, uh, especially after Jazal won the contest alone. Yeah, you oh, have a yeah. prince and a contest winner. Oh, I mean, come on, that's. <laughs> That's as fancy as it gets. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well, I I think I'm just going to before we get distracted by some other first law character matchup we just make up at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need the generator anymore, yeah, Charles. We're just going. So let's uh, get that sweet sweet outro music pumping before we go further off the rails here. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today, if you want to debate which multiverse we're in in the Glockta vs. Casca chess match, drop us a line on Twitter over at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. And we're also on Instagram at the FTF Podcast. And Dylan, if they like what they heard today and they wanted to support the show even further and they just so happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, what oh. can they do? 
toss five stars to our podcast. Just find that Friends Talking Fantasy page on the Apple Podcast app. Click the Friends Talking Fantasy page. Scroll down past all those episodes until you start seeing stars. Once you're seeing stars, the optimal number of those to click to support the show would be five of them if you have a little bit of extra time and you want to write a review that can be even more helpful for a podcast like ours but just listening is more than enough thank you so much to listening for <laughs> listening to us create these silly matchups between first law characters uh, we always yes. have fun talking thank about this awesome thank you so series. much for indulging our first law <laughs> shenanigans we greatly yes. appreciate it and as always go forth and conquer friends